Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsdaya, and today we will be studying Duff 17, Youth Design, in the first chapter of Masachet Rosh Hashanah. We need to look back at the bottom of page 16b to pick up the thread. Tanya Beit Shammai, Shalosh Kitot Hen, Liyom Hadin, Achat Shel Tzadikim Gmurin, Wachat Shel Rashaim Gmurin, Wachat Shel Benunin. It has been taught, Beit Shammai says, there are three groups of people on Yom Hadin. As a side note, Yom Hadin here refers to the ultimate day of judgment, with the resurrection of the dead. One group of completely righteous, and one group of completely wicked, and one group of in-between people. The completely righteous will be resurrected and inscribed and confirmed for everlasting life. The completely wicked will be inscribed to remain indefinitely in Gehinnom, and those in between will go down to Gehinnom to be pained, Rashi says to scream and cry and to suffer for some time, and then come up again and return. We encounter the concept of suffering as a means of improvement in other places. For instance, in Masachet Yoma, which deals with Yom Kippur, and which is the next tractate in the seven-year cycle that we will study, we will find many, many references to the idea of afflicting one's body and soul as a way of perfecting oneself. And you might also remember in tractate Shabbat 55, Alit and 55b, the sugya on Yisurin Shel Ahava, sufferings of love inflicted by God to test and improve a person's character. The sufferings inflicted in Gehinnom are compared to the process of extracting silver from ore. Only through the addition of fire can silver and gold be refined and extracted from the inferior additions in ore. The suffering, so to speak, will heal the souls in Gehinnom from the illness of sinfulness. As it says in our Gemara, V'chol hani dishmatin b'she'elo asad shuva aval asad shuva amrinan b'yoma and all these, meaning all these types of sinners and their punishments, are in regards to people who do not repent. But if they do repent, we know from Masachet Yoma 86 Aleph that repentance saves of punishment and death atones. Towards the bottom of 17 Aleph, we find the statement of Rabbah, Amar Rabbah, Kol he who forgoes his right to demand punishment, meaning for wrongs done to him, is forgiven his sins. Rav Huna, son of Rabbi Yeshua, was once ill. Rav Papa went to visit him. He saw that he was very ill and said to all present, Prepare everything for his last journey. Rav Huna recovered and Rav Papa felt ashamed and did not want to face him. He asked him, what did you see? And he said, You were right, but the Holy One said to the angels, Because he does not insist on his rights, do not do anything to him. Lemi no se avon, lemi she over al pesha. 
Who is forgiven iniquity? He who overlooks transgressions. The Tosafot, the Buha Matril, Batrila says, Behachika ama kra, the lech Hashem, Hacheset lichnas, livni mishurat hadin, Keshe amaro e, she ein haulam mit kayem, Keshet shalem le ish kema sehu. Hashem, God exercises kindness towards those who go beyond the letter of the law. Livni mishurat hadin means that although someone is theoretically entitled to receive justice, he or she nevertheless doesn't insist on it. Alternatively, that a certain action, e.g. A, pay, a payment is required under certain circumstances to fulfill the letter of the law, and despite that, a person decides to go beyond the minimum. The concept is related to similar concepts such as midat hasidim or midat harachamim. In other places, there's a debate whether livnim mishurat hadin can be considered an ethical principle that a person can voluntarily adopt, whether Livni Mishurat Hadin actually is a mitzvah in itself, and hence a required standard of behavior. The halachic ramifications are obvious. Now let's continue on 17b, with a beautiful teaching on the El Rachum Hanun, which is familiar to most of us from the High Holiday Liturgy and the Shalosh Regalim Liturgy, which is taken straight from Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Vayya'avor Adonai al-Panav vayikra Adonai, Adonai, El Rachum Vehanun, Erech Apaim Veraf Chesed Veemet, Notze Chesed La Alafim, Nose Avon Vefesha Vehata Venake. And the Lord passed by before him, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy unto the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Now here's what our sugya says about this. Hashem al and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Rabbi Yochanan says, Were it not written in the text, it would be impossible for us to say such a thing. Meaning, this is such an immense, tremendous statement that we couldn't have made it up even if we wanted to. This verse teaches us that the Holy One wrapped himself in a talit like a shaliach tzibur and explained to Moshe the order of the prayer. He said to him, Whenever Israel sinned, let them do this order of prayer, and I will forgive them. Adonai, Adonai, Ani hu kodem shiichateha adam, wa ani hu leacha shiichateha adam, beyaaseh tshuva. The Lord, the Lord, I am the same before men sins, and after men sins and repent. Now Rashi says that God shows mercy before a person sins. He bases this interpretation on the doubling of the word Adonai. Which seems strange. Why should a person need mercy before he or she has sinned? We come here into the murky waters of divine providence. The Rosh explains that God knows what a person will do in the future, but still, punishment is only meted out once a person has actually committed the sin. There's another possibility that the Rosh suggests, and that is that God knows what goes on in the mind of a person, and is a person is thinking about it. 
a, a, he is thinking about committing a transgression, and yet still God only punishes actual deeds and not thoughts. And continues, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, the question coming to mind immediately should be, until when is the decree actually torn up? Which is the objection brought by Rav Papa to Abaye? Perhaps we are dealing with a case where repentance happened before the final judgment, meaning Yom Kippur. But another objection is brought from a previous teaching. If one repents... In the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a person is forgiven. But if not, all the sacrifices in the world will not forgive him. The contradiction here is solved by stating that the last statement refers to an individual, but the first statement by Rabbi Yohanan refers to the community. If the community of Israel repents together, even a final decree will be torn up. And we will continue with this discussion about tearing up the decree against the community on the uh, following daf. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify. <laughs>